thank you guys so much for being here. It's so nice to see you guys. My name is Ryan, and for those of you who are maybe newer or just now joining with us, we're in a series right now called Killing Goliath. And, and a Goliath is just the giant in the Old Testament that David fought. And a Goliath is something in your life, a giant in your life that you cannot defeat in your own power. We've talked about anger. We've talked about school. We've talked about um, the world. We've talked about all kinds of different ones. And so we, we learned that you cannot defeat these things on your own. But through faith in Jesus, something opens up and you can begin to fight and even kill these things that are running your life. And tonight we're talking about the Goliath of the fear of man. And I know that sounds, ooh, fear of man. What is that? What does that mean? Another way to say it is this. Tonight we're talking about the Goliath of what will they think? The Goliath of what will people think about me? If I were to do something to show my love for Christ, and I were to do it in front of a group of people, what would that group of people think about me? And so often it's that, what will they think, that stops us. It stops us from acting in a way that glorifies Jesus. We, I get questions all the time of, how do you if, you, if you're surrounded by a group of people and they're not honoring Christ, how do you honor Christ? Well, you know you're supposed to, but the thing that you kind of, this wall that you hit is, yeah, but what will people think? What will they think if I step out for Jesus? One of my favorite verses is Matthew 13, 44. So let's go there or slide there, whatever you want. Matthew 13, 44. And if you don't have a Bible, like you don't own one, please let me know tonight, and I'll talk to one of my youth leaders, and we will get you one tonight, and that will be our gift to you, okay? So Matthew 13, 44 is the verse, and we'll read it, and I'll go through it twice, so don't freak out. Um, Jesus said to his disciples, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found. And hid again, and in his joy over it, he went and sold all that he had so that he could buy the field. So one more time. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid again. And from his joy, he went and sold all that he had to buy the field. Okay, so a little summary here. I'm going to spark note this for you guys real quick. This story is a parable. Okay, it's a parable told by Jesus to his disciples. Now, a parable was a story, but it's not a true story. It's a story told to make a point. It's a story that Jesus uses to teach something. He's trying to teach his disciples something through this story about the man and the field. And when you really look at it, this is an incredible verse. It's almost too much to believe. This guy finds a treasure in an open field, and he can't have it because he can't afford it yet. He can't afford to buy that field. Until he sells everything he has, then he'll have enough money to buy this field to get the treasure. And he wanted it so bad that he went out and did exactly that. He sold everything he had. Turn the page. And we, and we, we kind of glean over that sometimes, you know. He sold everything he had. And as church kids, we kind of, oh, amen, you know. And we just kind of, great, he sold everything. That's awesome. And we don't really think about that. Let that sit for a minute. He had to sell everything he had so that he could get this treasure. And he does that. 
Well, if he sold everything, what does that mean? Everything. Well, we know at least two things. One, if he sold everything he owned, it means he sold his house, right? Every, that would be under the category of everything. He sold his house. And it, and it wasn't just his house that he sold. Let me, let me explain it like this. Um, I live in Rome. My grandma, my mom's mom, she lives in Calhoun, which if, even if you have a car, Calhoun is a little bit of a ways out there, but without a car, can you imagine how long it would take you to get there? You see, in those days, it, it wasn't like that. Relatives did not live that far apart in those days. In fact, your family lived where you lived. Your family, everybody, mom, grandma, uncle, they all lived right around you. Okay? And you kind of formed your own little community, your own little neighborhood. And this guy sold everything, though, so he sold his house, which means that he didn't just sell, when he sold his house, he didn't just sell a piece of property. He left that neighborhood. He left that community of his family. He left the safety and comfort of his community. He left his family. And, and even in today's world, some of you guys have brothers and sisters that kind of move away. Moving away from your family is not necessarily a bad thing. But even in today's culture, that's a big step. How much more so back then was that? Listen, in those days, you can't just leave your family. You didn't just up and leave your family. Because not only do you leave the safety and comfort and protection, you also leave your family name behind. Think about it. If you, if, if you leave, nobody knows who your family is outside of that area. Nobody cares that you're the son of so-and-so or the granddaughter of so-and-so if they don't know so-and-so because they live around here, but you've moved out here now. So he's left his family name behind. So by selling everything he owns to get this treasure, he has given up safety. He has given up comfort of his family, but he's also given up his family name. And he didn't just sell his house. Since we know he sold everything, that probably means that he gave up his job as well. Um, he's given up his job. In, you know, in, in our day, some of you guys even, you get up and you go to work. The adults go to work. I get up and go to work. You didn't go to work in those days. You made your own work. You had a place where you made what you made, and then you sold what you made. But this guy sold everything, which means that he didn't, help me out, it means that he didn't just sell his products, he sold his whole what? Yeah, nice, workshop, very good. Yeah, he sold, he sold his whole business, basically, his whole trade. He sold his business, workshop in my notes, nice, Brooks. He sold his business, his workshop, his equipment, the whole thing. He sold all of it. So now he has no business and he has no family name. And that was kind of, are you guys familiar with what I'm talking about when I say re a resume? You guys know what I'm talking about? Your resume is basically the thing that you give someone who you're trying to apply for a job, and you give them a resume, it's kind of a one sheet that tells a little bit about yourself. That was kind of your resume in those days, those two things. Your family, who you come from, and your job, what you've made of yourself. Those were the two biggest things that determined who you were in society. If you didn't have a job, you were, you were nobody. If you had a bad family name, that went with you everywhere you went. That followed you around everywhere in that area. It determined who you were. Those two things determined who you were. 
Now, that was back in the day, and that was bad, and today is just as bad, it's just different. We don't use those two things to determine who we are anymore, okay? In our society, in our broken society, in your broken society, in your school, instead of it being your job and your family that determine who you are, it's what you look like and your accomplishments. Those are the two things that determine who you are in society. Those are the two things that determine whether or not you're cool, whether or not you're accepted, whether or not you're normal. Those are the things that make you somebody according to this society. Now, imagine having those things, whether it be in today's world or back in Jesus' time, whatever it is that makes you somebody. Imagine having those things, and now imagine giving those things up. That's incredibly hard. But for our guy, Jesus, as Jesus is telling the story, our guy does it. He gives up the things that make him somebody. He gives those things up. And he doesn't just do it. He does it out of joy. Look back at the verse. When the man found the treasure hidden in the field, he hid it again. And in his joy, he went and sold all that he had. Now listen, he did this in his joy. Now, to do something in your joy, that doesn't mean that he was going around high-fiving people as he did this, okay? Remember, it was very hard. So what does it mean then that he did it out of joy? How do you do something hard with joy in your heart? Doesn't it being hard, by definition, mean that there's not going to be joy? You see what I'm saying? How do you do something hard with joy in your heart? What's this guy doing? It means at the bottom of what he was doing, in the things in his life that were particularly hard to give up, during those moments, at the bottom of his heart, he knew it's worth it. It's worth it to do this. That's what real joy is. When you're doing something difficult, you know that it's worth it. You're content. You're happy. Not high-five happy, but you're you're happy, you have joy in your heart when you know that even though it's difficult, it's worth it. There's contentment in that. And that's what this guy's doing. Now listen, he's, he's left it all behind, right? He sold all that he had. He's left it all behind, but he has not lost anything, okay? He's left it all behind, but he has not lost anything, He's giving all of this up because he wants to get something. He's giving all this up because he wants to get something, and he's found it, and now he must have it. And this guy sold his treasures, and this is where it has to do with you. This guy sold his treasures to get this thing. Now, treasure. This guy sold his business and his house. I don't think any of you in here, unless there's something you're not telling me, I don't think any of you own your own business yet. I don't think any of you own your own house yet. And maybe someday you will. You do you. It'll be fine. Um, but those, he gave up those things. Those aren't really his, those aren't your treasures. Does that make sense? That doesn't totally apply to you. But you do have treasures. Some of you want a boyfriend or girlfriend. And everybody's like, oh, I'll, I'll listen now. Some of you want a boyfriend or girlfriend. And listen, that's fine. But what's not fine is that you want it more than anything in the world, and it is eating you alive. 
because you value having someone so much, that's become your treasure. Some of you, if, if your relationship, if you're in a relationship, if your relationship ended tomorrow, you would be sad. And listen, that's fine. You're supposed to be. That's normal. That means it was a good relationship. But what's not fine is that if your relationship ended, it would feel like the ground beneath you was gone and you were just in free fall if that relationship ended. That is not okay. You value that relationship so much, it's become your treasure. And maybe it's not relationships for you. Some of you, maybe some of you want so badly to get this grade or get into this school, which is fine. But the problem is you think that if you don't get this grade or you don't get into this school, your life is over. And it's not. Some of you, here we go, some of you cannot wait to get out of our merchie. If there was a spaceship leaving tonight, you would hop on to get out of our merchie. And listen, here we go, listen, that's fine. That's fine. But what's not fine is that you can't stand every day that you're here. That's not okay. And it gets worse every day. And every day, that hole in your heart gets a little bit bigger because that anger continues to grow. You value leaving so much that it's become your treasure. And lastly, the reverse. Some of you want to stay here And listen, that's fine. But what's not fine is that the idea of leaving scares you to death. It paralyzes you. You cannot even imagine. You value staying here so much that it has become your treasure. Listen, we all have things that we value. We all have things that we value. This man had things that he valued just like you do, just like I do. The adults and the college leaders, we're all together. We all have things that we value. But in this is the difference. In that field, this man found something so good that he gave up those other values so that he could get this treasure. It was so good that he gave those things up. Can you imagine? And Jesus is saying, that treasure is me. These think, think about it. These things that this man had, his house, his job, these things that he thought he could not live without, relationships, grades, fulfillment here or somewhere else. These things he thought he could not live without. What do you value like that? He's now saying, I can give these things up if it means that I get you. That's what it's like when Jesus comes into your life. Has that happened to you? I can give these things up now if it means that I get you. He's, what's happened? He's found something better. He's found a real treasure. That, and that's what Paul means. Remember in Philippians, like 11 years ago when we did the Philippians series? Paul said, The things I once considered gain, I now consider loss for the sake of knowing who? Thank you again, Brooks. Two for two. Middle school showing y'all up. Leaders, um, um, these things that he used to love, 
these things that Paul used to love, he now says, I can give these things up if it means that I get you. If that's what gets me closer to you. Now, before we go on, I want everybody to do this with me, okay? Everybody do this. And some of you are asleep, so it doesn't matter, but here you go. Everybody do this. And then, okay? Now, look, before we go on, I'm not calling anyone to a life of singleness, although there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying everyone needs to leave our merchie. I'm not saying everyone needs to stay in our merchie. I'm not saying everyone needs to fail all their classes. Sorry. I'm not saying everyone needs to break up with everyone. I'm not saying those things. But look, here's what happens. And tell me this isn't true. Here's what happens. Some of you want a relationship so bad that when you finally get one, you're going to leave everybody behind. Everyone. Or maybe you don't have one, but you lose countless hours dreaming about what could be, so much so that you lose out on being happy in what is. You dream about what could be, you lose what is. Listen, relationships have become your God, and your God is robbing you. And it's ruining your life. You want to get the grade so bad that you need it. And you'll do anything it takes to get it, including cut corners. And nobody knows. Pastor doesn't know. Nobody knows. So you get the grade, but you lose a part of yourself. You want so badly to leave here that you always make sure you never get close to anybody because according to you, it's just temporary anyway. You'll be out of here soon. And so you miss out on lifelong friendships. I'm getting married, and I have six groomsmen. Five of them are from high school. My best friends are from high school. And it won't be that way for everybody, but don't be so desperate to leave that you miss out on that chance. You worship the God of, I can't wait to get out of here. You worship that God. And that God is robbing you. We all have broken values. And listen, so did the disciples. And somebody besides Brooks. Who is Jesus telling this story to? There we go. See when we work together? Jesus is telling this story to the disciples. Listen, the disciples were not special. That's the point. Jesus is special. The disciples were just like you. These were not special people. They were unbelievably ordinary just like you. And just like you, here's what we do. We all have values, which is fine, but we take those values and we make them God. We take these values and we make them God. And this is what that's like, okay? This is what it's like when you take things and you make them into God. This is what it's like. Imagine if the sun fell out of the solar system, okay? Imagine if the sun fell out of the solar system. You see, gravity holds all the planets in place. But it can do that because the sun is at the center keeping everything in balance, Without it, everything falls out of balance. And Jesus, in this parable, is telling the disciples and is telling you, I'm the thing that needs to be at the center of your universe. If you will put me at the center of your universe, the rest of your life will be in balance. And there's so much joy when that happens. Listen to John Piper. So it is with having Christ in your life. 
all the planets of your life, so listen, all the planets of your life, your goals, your dreams, your commitments, boyfriend, girlfriend, your attitudes, convictions, your habits, your work, your play, all the planets of your life are held in orbit when Jesus is at the center. And if He ceases to be the center, it is like taking the sun from the solar system. All the planets of your life fly into confusion and a hundred things will be out of control and sooner or later they will crash into destruction. So many of you are miserable or bored or somewhere in between because Jesus Christ is not at the center of your life. And so when we put something else as our treasure, something else at the center, we give our soul something to feed on, and it can't feed on that thing. So it begins to die. That's why you get angry or miserable. Your soul is beginning to die. It is built to live off of Jesus. Now, the point of tonight, believe it or not, is how we won't invite someone to church or how we won't share the gospel with them. And if we can be honest, the reason we don't do that very often is because we are scared to. I am. Your adults and college leaders, they are too. Don't let them fool you. It's a scary thing to step out there. It's a scary thing to step out of the boat. To step out of your comfort zone and invite someone to something as deep and beautiful as church. It's a scary thing to step into the waves. Which is why Peter kept his eyes on Jesus. Can I tell you something? I mean, I have the microphone, so I'm, I'm going to do it. Um, I'm just trying to be polite. Can I tell you something? Listen, and then you can tune out. Listen. When you invite someone to church, when you tell someone about Jesus... Did you know that you are doing the exact same thing that our guy in the story is doing? You're doing the exact same thing. What did he do? You know this. Look at the verse. In his joy, we talked about that, he did what? He sold all that he had. That's what you're doing. This guy gave up the very thing in this world that was the most important to him. Right? Everything. He gave up the thing that was most important to him. In our broken society, the most important thing is what people think of you. That's the most important thing. It really is. Your reputation is the most important thing in our broken society. And when you invite someone to church and mean it, or when you tell someone the gospel and you mean it, you're putting everything on the line. You're putting all your cards on the table. You're saying, I believe this, and I want you to believe this too. It's all out there. And you say, you're just being dramatic, Ryan, or, or no, it's not. Well, then why is it so hard? I have had tons of people come to my door in my very short life. I've had Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, Boy Scouts, fundraisers, trick-or-treaters, all kinds. Do you know how many Christians have come to my door? Zero. How many people have, listen, how many people have you told the gospel to in the last year? Do you know why that number is so low? Because when you tell someone the gospel, you're putting your whole life in Jesus' hands. 
Your reputation, the most important thing, is now at risk. Everything you own is at risk. You're throwing it out there when you invite them or when you speak to them about Jesus. You don't know how they're going to take it. Could be good, could be bad, could be indifferent. But when you see Jesus the way this man saw what he found, when you see Jesus as your treasure, you'll do it. You'll tell someone the gospel. You will risk your reputation because you'll have found something that is worth selling your reputation for. Just like the man in the field who found something that was worth selling everything for. That's what it's like when you find Jesus. And listen, I'm not going to tell you, this is not the part where I make you feel guilty and you go invite someone to get, to get it over with. I'm not even going to tell you to go invite somebody. I'm not going to tell you to go tell the gospel to somebody. Not tonight, because that's not the point. The point is Jesus. Look at me. The point is Jesus. The point is seeing Him as your treasure. Do you see Him that way? Do you see that? Is He worth your reputation? Is He worth the thing that is most important to you? For a lot of you, I think that maybe the answer is no. So let me give you one word of encouragement. And then we'll be done. Trading your reputation for Jesus is hard. And it will always be. Trading your reputation for Jesus is hard. But listen, it can get easier if you remember this. Jesus traded His reputation for you. And I don't mean that in a way to make you feel guilty. That's not the point. This is good news. He traded His reputation for you. And we see that in Philippians 2, 6-7. through 7. And you don't have to turn there unless you want to. If you're feeling it, you do you. But I'm going to read it real quick. Philippians 2, 6-7. through 7. Christ, who although He, listen, although He existed in the form of God, didn't regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but He emptied Himself, taking the form of a servant and being made in likeness of man. He emptied Himself. Himself. So Christ was at one time in the form of God. Then He lowered Himself and became in the form of man. He emptied Himself. He lowered Himself. And so often we think of Jesus lowering Himself to come to us. We don't really get it right. Um, we think about it, it kind of like this. Like the famous basketball player. I know you're young, but just kind of hang. The famous basketball player like, like, like Michael Jordan. Okay? We think about it like this. Like if Michael Jordan left his mansion and came to walk among the people like us. Okay? That's what we think of it like. But that's not the best analogy because if he did that, yeah, that'd be cool, but you would still think, okay, you would know. That's MJ. That's who that is. But imagine if instead of just doing that, Michael Jordan sold all his trophies took all his money and gave it away, but not just those things, because you'd still know who he was. He also, any time a reporter was going to write a story about him, he told the reporter to write a story about someone else instead. So over time, he loses all his wealth, he loses all his fame, 
And people begin to forget. And Michael Jordan slowly becomes a nobody. So He becomes a nobody. He doesn't just act like a nobody. He becomes a nobody. So much so that you wouldn't even know who he was if you saw him. That's how low he's come. That is a small, listen, that is a small percentage of what Jesus did. He left heaven where he was worshipped to come to earth where people would not only not care about him, they wouldn't like him. So Jesus became not just a nobody, he went even lower. He was despised and he used to be worshipped. So why did he do that? Hebrews 2 tells us he did it to bring many sons to glory. To bring us to glory. He did it to come get us. He lost his reputation so that he could find us. He was, another way to look at it is like this. He was perfectly healthy and he came to the hospital to get us. But not just to give us medicine, he took your place on the table. And now we walk healthy because he became sick. And we'll be comforted in glory because he was punished here. There is no other God like this. When you see Jesus as your real treasure, you'll tell other people about him. You'll invite other people to come hear about him. You'll want to. Let's pray.